Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Saturday, August 31st, and though the month may be coming to an end, the U.S. Open heating up, second week almost upon us today. Saturday is actually the day we're recording for once. We are not recording this on a Friday night, and today's action being the second half of the round of 16, it's already un- ongoing as we record, so we will not be talking about that today. That being said, We still have a fascinating first half of the third round to discuss. Joining me to do just that, he is a former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, one of my favorites, if not my favorite writer on our CrackRackets.com team. We affectionately refer to him as Matt the Cracks the Koyak because he loves the game so much. Matty, welcome back to the Mini Break Pod. What's going on, Gruskin? We got a nice little uh, weekend edition of the Mini Break here. I'm, I'm digging it, man. It's been a good... A great, I should say, first week uh, at the Open. And, I mean, hopefully uh, the the drama can heat up a little bit more and the second week can be just as good. Would have been weird if I didn't call you on the Saturday of a Grand Slam, right? We're going to have this conversation no matter what. So I figured we're part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network now. You know, our reputation, the stakes a little bit higher. The least we could do is record this conversation because the action doesn't stop on, on the weekend at the U.S. Open. And that's half the fun of the tournament. Exactly, man. I mean, no way we could go uh, throughout the Open without a weekend pod in there. So, you know, I'm all in. <laughs> yeah, and and, and, and 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 when you have the sort of results when Friday's matches end with the crowd booing oh, the yeah. winner off of the court, and that's the, our last storyline, you know Matt and I are going to get on the podcast to discuss it. So as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about Friday's results, half the round of uh, – third round for both the men's and women's singles we are not going to be previewing today's action because it's already underway but with that being said Matt the match I want to start with probably the biggest upset of the day in fact I think it was one of only two instances where an unseeded player came up and beat the seed they were facing next-gen Australian Alex Dimenauer, the 20-year-old, faced off with number seven seed Kei Nishikori. And I know on social media, I think we let Jamie get loose, and he was saying, hey, Gruskin and Jamie called this upset uh, on the mini-break yesterday. So, uh, you know, they, he's already bragged on behalf of us. But my question coming in, Alex Dimenauer, a 6-2-6-4-2-6-6-3 winner over the seven seed. Are you that surprised by this result? I am not, man, and I completely understand why you guys uh, called upset alert on that one. I mean, ever since the U.S. Open series started back in Atlanta, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, Demon's been playing great tennis, man. I mean, he obviously loves the hard courts. Uh, The grass season didn't go the way that he wanted it to. He's obviously not a fantastic clay court player at this point in his career yet, Uh, but he he thrives on the hard courts, man, And, and this... You know, Nishikori is always one of those guys that we, you know, a lot of people pencil into like what the quarters of the slams always, right? He's always like a top eight seed and you always think he's going to make it to the quarters and then just bow out to either Rafa or Fed or whoever he gets in that quarterfinal matchup. But Demon, man, he's so sneaky and just so good that it's a matchup of similar game styles, right? I mean, both guys smaller. Interesting. You know, they they don't 
it's not a huge clash of styles and and demon just played cleaner tennis man i mean if you want to look at some of these stats i i just think for kenny shikori unforced errors tell tell the match man i mean just way too many unforced errors right completely and uh, let's start with the match since that's where you ended but you made a lot of points there that i do want to follow up on in terms of this match yeah you look at the results Kenny uh, Shikori, just too many errors in this one. 36 winners against 60 unforced errors. And that comes to your back to what you said about Clash of Styles. I think that's a fascinating point. As I called you, and for our listeners, you can, this is how production works at Crack Rackets. I literally called Matt about 30 minutes ago, said, Hey, Matt, you want to hop on a podcast today? We might as well. And Matt was like, uh, Duh. And so that's, you know, that's how this came to be. But I was thinking, how do I want to approach this Dimonauer Nishikori match? Because both of these guys in stature, Dimonauer six feet, Nishikori five ten. So they're not the biggest modern, you know, player by modern standards. But the things that yep. stand out, their quickness, right? They're both cutting off angles. They're taking balls early. They're beating you to the spot. And I think they, I would say Nishikori, his ball, it's heavier. There's more spin to it. It's got, uh, you know, Dimonauer, more of a flat shot, stays low, uh, gets through the sure. court, but they penetrate the court in different ways. But the thing that really stood out to me, and, you know, I want to get to Kei Nishikori coming into this injured, not having the best summer, but Dimonauer was getting to point A faster than Nishikori and I don't think I've ever seen anyone on the court outside of maybe Djokovic, Nadal uh, and Murray outrun outcover the court better than Kei Nishikori like it, it was just stunning yeah but you know what Gruskin it's interesting I've, I've seen I've had the pleasure of watching Demon up close and personal uh, a few times and and he is so fast man I mean it your point was great. He was getting to the spot faster than Nishikori, but that doesn't surprise me. It really doesn't. This kid, every time I watch him play, I, I find myself saying, wow. I mean, he is tracking down balls that I just, I mean, I can't remember. It really reminds me kind of of, of Leighton Hewitt, who's obviously his mentor. You know, back in the day, a guy like Hewitt would just run down balls and Demon does the same thing. He is incredibly fast. It's it's awesome to watch. I, I love watching I him play. I still think Dimonauer's ball a bit flatter than Hewitt's was, although I was pretty young when he was, you know, 8, 9. So I don't remember yeah, that yeah, yeah. clearly. Yeah. But getting to the point, I thought Nishikori did dictate a lot. And to what you were saying, Dimonauer kept making that extra ball, forcing Nishikori into those 60 unforced errors. I also love how the stats yeah. reflect this. Uh, Dimonauer moving 5 feet more per point, covering 49.8 feet versus Nishikori 44.8. And by the way, when you get over that 45 feet per point range, that's when you're starting to cover a significant amount of distance just for some perspective. But you can see Nishikori realized he had to move forward. He had to shorten points because if this was going to be a physical match, he wasn't the more physical player, the more gifted, at least physically, on that day. And and I think you see that Nishikori comes to the net 42 times, converts 27 of them versus Dimonauer, who's only 10 of 14 at the net. For Dimonauer, he kept attacking Nishikori both on the first and second serve, holding him to both 54 and 50% of serves won on those two points. He earns himself 16 break points, goes 8 of 16. Nishikori, 5 of 
nine in break points. And so to get back to what you were saying earlier in terms of the mindset of why we saw this as an upset alert, you know, Demonauer did struggle. And, you know, he loses first round to Gojewitz at the City Open, but that was, you know, two days, maybe a day after he had beaten uh, Opelka and Fritz for that Atlanta title. He then right. goes to Canada, loses 6-4, uh, 7-6 six, six to Dan Evans, which seeing how Evans played in his third round encounter, or at least getting to that encounter with Federer in context, not that bad of a loss. Then he does get two wins at the, uh, getting to the round of 16 before losing to an informed Nishioka. So yeah, that Dimenauer was able to get his first ATP title this summer. I agree. That's the Dimenauer component. But for Kei Nishikori, you know, yes, he's ma- he made three Grand Slam quarterfinals in the three slams uh, in 2019 before the U.S. Open. He has a title on the season, but there was nothing in the run-up to this event to suggest he was healthy, that he was confident. And when you face a challenge as big as Dimenauer physically, if you're hurting, that's the last thing you want to play. And I think that's why we were all able to circle this one because it's the perfect circumstances where Nishikori, a little bit too banged up to really grind out. I think there was a stat he was down two sets to love and he has come back four times in 2019 uh so obviously he's shown the ability to come back from one down but when you go fall two sets to love down to alex dimenauer and you're hurting it's just it's always going to be so difficult to mount that comeback yeah i mean it's just it's really not going to happen man and i mean your points yeah you're correct there was just nothing where at least for me personally where we would say Nishikori, yeah, you know, this guy is a lock for the quarters this time. I mean, the only reason I brought that up is because, like you mentioned, he had made three quarterfinals. But, yeah, I mean, he hasn't been playing that great of tennis leading up to this. Demon got his first title. We had been seeing him more, playing better tennis. Um, so, you know, just not a shock here. And, and just one last thing I, I got to say here, that, that first serve win percentage for Nishikori, only 54% points one when he gets his first serve in that's just it's not going to cut it man and you know I I think it goes both ways like I I don't think Nishikori you know did nearly enough he wasn't playing well enough to win that match but we got to give some credit to Demon for for you know putting returns in play and just being a, a nuisance on the court so I think it's a combination of Demon really playing well and Nishikori just you know whether he's injured or you know he he definitely didn't have his a game far from it um you know this is the result that we get not not too surprising 103 mile per hour average on his first serve 85 on the second serve yeah he was hurting and you can't yeah. uh, offer serves like that to a returner as good as Dimenauer and credit to him and you know we can move on to our next match after this but you look for Dimenauer at his portion of the draw so not only does he get to the fourth round here but he's now going to match up with unseated Grigor Dimitrov who has had as you know, picture perfect of a draw as he could have imagined, maybe making up for the fact that he's drawn, you know, the gods, they realize we've given you Stan Wawrinka like seven tournaments in a (laughs) row. Here's a fourth round appearance for you at the U.S. Open gifted and Grigor, you know, a 7-5-7-6-6-2 winner today over Matrasek, who was the lucky loser ending his run. But Alex Dimenauer is probably the favorite in this round of 16 match. And that is crazy to say about someone who's what, 19, 20 years old. Yeah, I mean, you know who I'm picking. You don't even need to ask. <laughs> you don't even need to ask who I'm picking in that match. But you know what, Gruskin, I will give you your credit because I, I got to do it. You're not right often, but when you are, I will. I will definitely uh, give you your props, man. You brought up the point before the tournament started. Could we see Grigor Dimitrov in the second week? And I said you were absolutely crazy. Not a chance. 
Well, look what happened, man. You got me. You got me. I'm honestly blushing. I didn't expect that. For the record, that was not pre-scripted. I pre-script a lot of the GSP, but or of the mini break. That's very kind of you to say, Matt. Look, the draw, it was just when you saw it, Chorich was not healthy. That was clear coming. And it's the same thing with Nishikori. So for Dimitrov, it was literally, is he going to be the only guy in this section with legs? And I don't want to take away from Matrasek what he did or getting to the, you know, the third round. That's a huge result for a guy like him. But if right. you Grigor Dimitrov, you're like, give it to me. Get, you know, give it to me. And, you know, Grigor, I think he got that win earlier today, maybe. Or was that yesterday? No, that was a result from yesterday as yep. well. So we knocked that one out. Uh, one other breakdown I want to do on the men's side. This was not an upset by any means. This was the result we probably expected. But the storyline of the day, number five seed Daniil Medvedev's match with Feliciano Lopez. Medvedev, a 7-6-4-6-7-6-6-4 winner in a three-hour, 19-minute, I don't want to say slugfest, but certainly physical battle in the late-night New York you know, crowd. They were they were booing Medvedev. At one point, Medvedev snatched the towel rudely away from the towel boy when he he got in a mood. That was inappropriate. That was totally yes. unacceptable. I want to make that clear. Um, but that is that was kind of the inciting incident. Then the crowd starts booing on camera. They catch Medvedev flipping him off with his cheek, which, by the way, are we endorsing flipping off the New York crowd? I feel like the New York crowd can handle it. That's the sort of, you know, they want... I so from so okay he flips them off whatever he ends up winning the match and I want we'll talk about the tennis in a second but uh, Medvedev fed off their booze and after the match he says hey I want you guys to know it was your energy that got me through this when you're sleeping at night know that you helped <laughs> me win which by the way an all time troll um, but just this idea of he fed off their energy and you could tell Medvedev was fighting cramps and he's been you know he's had some left buttocks issues this entire tournament he's obviously sore from how many matches he's played the run to, through Cincinnati to make the finals of Montreal uh, but to to be able to feed off the crowd as that sort of catalyst, I know it's stupid, but that's the sort of special mentality that you need to make a deep run at a Grand Slam. And am I wrong to say to see Medvedev clear this sort of hurdle mentally? It's almost a step in his development. Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's really only a couple of guys, I think, that would be able to use that, you know, the booing and all the negativity in in a way that fuels them like you mentioned you know Nick Kyrgios comes to mind right as a guy that you know the crowd gets on him and then you know he'll he'll say okay I'll show you guys you want to boo me I disagree and not that Kyrgios doesn't incite the crowd because he does but he doesn't feed off it the same way it's much more of a reactive thing Medvedev you know he's jeering them on Kyrgios is going to do what Kyrgios is going to do Medvedev embraced the scene to me the comp and this is a huge stretch probably but you know how when Federer plays Djokovic in a lot of places the crowd is just automatically pro Federer and Djokovic kind of likes that and kind of fuels it and you know he'll go down and then he'll get a break back and you know he's kind of fist pumping to his box he's going against the crowd like yeah that's what that reminded me of and it's special yeah it I don't know man for like to me this situation just seems a little bit different like yeah Joker never gets outright booed you know it's even Lopez it's not Federer right exactly and and even in those matches you know the crowd's on Fed's side but Djokovic never gets booed you know this was I mean not that I can remember actual boos I like, think he's been booed before I mean I have I can't think of specific matches but i know i've seen yeah i mean it 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 might have happened but you know this this was just it was interesting man i mean lopez 
was trying to, you know, get the crowd pumped. This was just a crazy match, man. And it I think there's amazing. there's two things at stake here, you know, that I kind of want to talk about a little bit. Just one being the the action of snatching that towel away from the ball boy inappropriate okay i I didn't like that whatsoever i don't want to see that that's wrong it's inappropriate and and i hope that you know we don't have to see much more of that because look the ball the ball kids are just trying to do what they got to do man i mean they're out there working um you know there's no reason to treat them like that so i think that was wrong i i I completely agree just on that point real quick yeah i i 100% 100% agree. I think Medvedev agrees. I don't think he'd argue that the point penalty he got was wrong. And just to kind of speak to his character, I did appreciate at the end of the Medvedev match because, you know, we that he uh, he went to Lopez and said, hey, my antics, it wasn't about you. It was the crowd. Like, I'm sorry. Nothing was directed at you. And Lopez, you know, kind of gave him a wink. It's like, it's okay. Don't worry about it. But I appreciated right. that gesture from Medvedev at the end. But to, not to be a Medvedev apologist because you're right. The ball thing, unacceptable. Yeah, definitely unacceptable. I didn't, I did not like seeing that. But number two would be his post-match interview. Amazing. That troll was amazing. Now that was awesome. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I'm so glad that he did that. That was great, and I, I really enjoyed that. So there's kind of, it's like two different things here, right? Like what he did during the match on the court, and and I don't agree with flipping off the crowd either. I'm, I'm not a fan of that. You know, whether the New York crowd deserves it sometimes. <laughs> I'm just, you know, that's that's a whole nother issue, but I'm not a fan of that. Like, come on, man. Don't do that in the middle of a tennis match. You know, you're on national TV. People are watching all around the world. Do not do that. But, man, afterwards, after he won, to, to troll the crowd like that was just, that was phenomenal, man. And we almost, I mean, we never see that either, right? I mean, I can't remember the last time a player in an interview on court kind of acted like that trolling the crowd i mean that was i just i laughed so hard you know when i when i watched that i said this last night it was great tennis and it was even better television and it's just so rare that in a meltdown like that you see a player thrive and raise his level and for medvedev you look at his performance um for a guy who was hurting 27 aces against eight double faults makes 62 percent of his first serves wins 84 percent of them uh 63 percent of his second serves two of seven on break points lopez two of five on break points but so you know both of them efficient protecting their serves considering how often lopez attacks the net he goes 60 of 85 in this match medvedev did a great job scurrying around making that extra ball keeping lopez uh, uh, honest i saw a lot of times lopez would hit drop volleys medvedev hits a little you know bump lob over the backhand side he had a lot of success with that I mean he scrapped he clawed he wasn't feeling his best physically and we said this about Barty early in the week I don't think Medvedev's played poorly but it's when you're not feeling your best those are the ones you have to find a way to get the job done and it was the aggression with the serve again for as skilled as Daniil Medvedev is at the baseline and as gifted as he is moving on a hard court leveraging his length uh, to track down extra balls He's 6'6", and he can crank the serve like this, and that's half the game. Yeah, and I mean, we could talk for a while on on Medvedev's tennis game. We all know. Look, he's a top-five player now, right? I mean, the guy is phenomenal. You know, we don't have to question, you know, his on-court game. That's phenomenal. He's serving well, and he comes up clutch, man. I mean, he was down a break in that first set to Lopez, gets it back, gets into that tiebreaker, and just steamrolls them seven points to one in that first set breaker, hits like three aces, 
in that in that tiebreaker. I mean, all the the clutch points, you know, throughout that match, many of them seem to go Medvedev's way, and that's just a credit to him. He has elevated himself to a top five position. He's the five seed here, and uh, you know, we know how good he is, man. I, I love this guy for six six. He moves better than some guys that are are a little bit smaller than him. There's no question about it. So he he's got the entire package and. You know, I just feel like while it was a great match, you know, a lot of people are going to remember this match for some of the, the the drama and the antics rather than what was actually the tennis that was being played, you know, because we know how good he, you know, we know how good he is already. Yeah, Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, definitively the top three players in some order this season. And then look, depending on the point of year, Stefano Tsitsipas, Dominic Team, yeah. Daniil Medvedev. Those yeah. were the guys this season. Daniil Medvedev has earned that number five next to his name. And you yep. look at his portion of the draw. I mean, he next matched up next with Dominic Kopfer, who was in his first major fourth round ever, the qualifier from Tulane, former uh, college number one, who we had the chance to interview earlier this week uh, for the Monday mini break pod, as well as released, I think, on our Cracked Rackets podcast. So you want to hear more about his story, definitely go check that interview out. And by the way, Kopfer, a 6-3-7-6-4-6-6-1 winner over number 17 seed Nicholas Basilishvili. Unbelievable for him. He's now inside the top 100. Obviously, a paycheck mm-hmm. like this when you're a rising player makes such a difference now. And to be in the top 100, you're going to get into so many ATP events down this 2019 stretch. Get a chance to really get yourself some points. But for Medvedev, the day off and then Kopfer, I mean, yeah. you hope he can get healthy because it, it's almost Djokovic time. Yeah, it is, man. And I think, you know, I don't think he'll overlook Kofor at all, but I just, I mean, I see, I see him cruising, to be honest, you know, whether there's a little nagging injury there, I think, I think Medvedev will handle his business and uh, get to that quarterfinal matchup with Joker, which I know everybody's going to be tuned into that, man. That's must see TV. So hopefully uh, a, a couple days from now, That'll be the matchup that we get. It's interesting because despite the shoulder issues, despite a little skirmish at his practice session where he's telling someone, I'll find you, which, oh my God, yeah. Novak, come on. Don't <laughs> don't take the bait. You're Novak. This guy can't touch right. you. Uh, but he looked great in his 6-3, 6-4, win over Kudla. A lot more slice backhands than I expected. But still, Djokovic looked good. And yeah, he now yeah. is going to match up, I believe, um, with number 23 seed Stan Wawrinka, who was a 6-4-7-6-7-6 winner, ending the run of Paolo Lorenzi. That's going to be good tennis. We know what Wawrinka is capable of. It's just can he make you know put enough pressure on Djokovic to force Djokovic to crack? So you know that's when I'm sure we're watching. Roger Federer plays his best match of the tournament, six two six two six one over Dan Evans. Uh, he now matches up, I believe, with number fifteen seed David Goffin, who was a seven six seven six seven five winner over Paulo Carino Busta. Look, I've had from the beginning. I, I got Dimitrov right. I got Dimonauer right. Think I'm going to get Goffin over Federer right, Matt? I do not. I do not think you're going to get that right. But you know what? If you do, uh, I'll come right back on here, man, and, and give you your credit for that. But I, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. No. Uh, it, Federer hasn't played great 
I'll say that. He hasn't, but he did look much better against Dan Evans. I was happy to see that. Yeah. What is there to say about Roger Federer in a first week of a slam? Like, you know what you're going to get. It it doesn't really start until now, and now it's Gofan time. He's got to turn it on because David Gofan has been playing well enough to beat him if he doesn't have his A game. Um, and then, so, you know, as we mentioned, top half of the draw, Djokovic, Wawrinka, Kope for Medvedev, Federer, Gofan, Dimitrov, Dimenauer. I honestly like how that ended up. Yeah, it's interesting, right? I mean, it's definitely, I mean, for me, you know, the Stan Djokovic, uh, that matchup, I, I had that one. That was somewhat predictable. Um, obviously, Kofor, I mean, I don't think anybody had him at this point. So he's definitely, you know, that's a fresh face in there at the round of 16. And, you know, go fan Federer. I think that was the matchup a lot of people had as well. But, yeah, Dimonor and uh, Dimitrov, man, that was uh, – Definitely a surprise for those two. Uh, whoever wins that matchup, I mean, man, quarterfinals of the U.S. Open. That's crazy. A fun surprise, though. One I feel like we needed as yeah, tennis sure. fans. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so it, it, it's certainly fun, and it'll be a fun weekend of tennis. Not nearly as surprising. The women's results yesterday, I, I really don't think there were any up. The only really one upset, sort of, to talk about, although that was more by seeding than, in my opinion, a level of play. You look through the draw, Serena, straight set winner, 3-2 and two over Mukova. Ashley Barty, 7-5-6-3, gets another win. Uh, the second back-to-back win, she played Sakari in Cincinnati. <clears throat> backs up the result here as well. Alina Svitolina with a dominant 6-2-6-0 performance over my upset alert pick, Diana Yastremska. So that kind of puts me to shame. It always says, never if it's two countrymen and one's young and the other's in their prime, that's going to be their role model. And you just have to know mentally that's going to be an edge. And I should have factored that sort of little thing in, and I overlooked it. I let my love of your Strumsky's game, on, yeah, man. That, that's on me. But, um, you know, Barty, Svitolina, Serena, all straight sets winners, all uncomplicated. They all look good coming in. They're all playing better and better as this tournament progresses. Yeah, for sure. I mean, how about a, a potential Serena and Barty quarterfinal, mm. right? I mean, that's that's pretty tasty. I, I'll, I'll be there for that one. Um, so, yeah, no, definitely. I mean— Pretty straightforward, though, man, on the women's side. I mean, it really was. The, the the higher seeds are starting to find their groove a little bit, which should shape up for a pretty good second week. It's so funny. Then we're all like, oh, anyone can win this. It's going to be anyone's battle. And it's like, actually, it's just going to be Serena, Barty, Osaka, Svitolina. <laughs> I should have mentioned Karolina Pliskova, the most complicated yep. match of the day for the seeds, a 6-1, 4-6, 6-4 winner over Jabour. Joe Conta looked great. She's a semifinalist at a major earlier this year, 2-3. Three over Zhang, uh, Wang over Pharaoh, seven six six three. Petra Martic, which with the one seeded upset of the day, defeating number twelve seed Sevastova, six four six three. And then the last match I want to talk about, one I want to break down. Number ten seed Madison Keys beats young American Sophia Kennan, the twenty seed, six three seven five, in the nightcap match on Ash. Now. It was very interesting because, yes, Keys gets the straight set win, but physically you could tell in the second set she was struggling. She was starting to feel ill. Uh, you know, they were talking about it in the box. She's got to get through this set. Otherwise, the third set's going to be a problem. Even Madison Keys said, I really needed that second set. Otherwise, it was going to be much more complicated. Um, but I want to talk about Kennan for a second because, Matt, I know we were both surprised. I just— I thought Sophia Kennan got baited into playing Keys' hit-big, slug-away game, yes. and that's not her. No, no, and I was disappointed to see it, man. I definitely got this match wrong. I had picked Kennan. I, I obviously, you know, I'm a big fan of Kennan's game and all that, but 
uh, she, like you mentioned, man, just she didn't play the match correctly in my mind. From a tactical point of view, it just it was not a very uh, smart or intelligent match that she played, and she got bullied a little bit. I mean, just too many unforced errors. Um, I don't know. She didn't serve particularly well. I mean, it was okay, but Keys, I mean, when Keys, we know what Keys can do. I just, she's so hot or cold. I thought the, you know, Kennan being maybe a little bit more steady would allow her to to get through this one, and that's why I picked Kennan. She had looked good um, over the last month or so, but yeah, this just... I think at the end of the day, you know, we could talk about keys, but I think it's more about Kennan just not really playing a very good match, to be completely honest. What I love that Madison Keys did real quick, uh, 69% of her first serves go in. You know, Serena's got the undisputed best first serve of all time in women's tennis, but Madison Keys is right up there. That serve's so powerful, allows her to play plus one tennis, which is her best brand of tennis. You know, she makes 69% of them, wins 84% of those points, 41 of 49. That's a great serving performance. And yeah. allows you to go 10 of 22 on second serve points. You know, she fights off all eight break points she faces. Kennan doesn't get a single break during the match. Keys a tidy 11 of 17 at the net, 26 winners against 27 unforced errors. But yeah, for Kennan, nine winners against 23 unforced errors. Too many short points. She just didn't make the match as physical as she's capable of making a match. And right. it was it was just it was very startling to me to I don't think it was the stage that got to her at all. I just think she was she became frustrated by Madison Key's style of play. Yeah, completely agree, man. I mean, I don't think the stage really ever affects her. She's she's pretty headstrong, I, I think, Kennan at a young age. So, yeah, you're right. I don't think that was the case. I just – I think it was a poor match. I mean, really, that's just what I want to chalk it up to is she – you know, we've seen her play much better than that. And, you know, Keys probably just made her feel a little uncomfortable and, and may have caused her to, you know, get out of her game a little bit. So, I guess – you know, there's some credit to, to Keys there as well, but overall, man, I mean, we've just we've seen much higher level from Kennan. And so to recap, on the bottom half of the draw for the fourth round, Svitolina versus Keys. If Keys is healthy, that is going to be some really really fun tennis. Um, Conta versus Pliskova, that's a juicy one. Williams versus Martich, I'm in on that. Wang versus Barty. Again, we've got all seated players left, so so much for, oh, an unseated player is going to rake a run. Although I suppose we've seen some unseated players on the top half of the draw, although we'll save that for tomorrow's podcast. But still, really fascinating bottom half of the draw lining up on the women's side. It really is, man. And I mean, you know, you brought up the point where we were saying at the beginning of the tournament, oh, you know, it's anybody's tournament or it's so wide open or whatever. Well, I still feel that way. (laughs) It is, isn't it? Like we're looking at this draw and literally all these players, Spitalina, Keys, Kanta, Pliskova, Serena, Barty. I mean, I give them all. A, they all have a pretty good chance, don't they? I mean, yeah. Again, I, now that we're at this stage, there's probably no disrespect to Martich or Wang, but I would say, right. si- I, like, if you tell me Joe Conta ends up with the title, sure, I'd believe it. Yeah. Pliskova makes yeah. her first breakthrough. Svitolina makes hers. Keys makes hers. Sure, I believe it. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying, man. So I think, you know, that that wide openness is still there. I think, I think it really is. And we haven't even, you know, the top half of the draw is playing, you know, as we speak here. So 
I'm sure, you know, with with some of those players up top too, it's it's going to be pretty wide open. But they're still, also which is going to be also fun. familiar. But it feels like you know, Force Fidelina Keys, Kanta Pliskova again. They haven't won a slam yet, yeah. so it's like it it's someone new. It's fresh, and you know, Barty, yep. it's still yep. fresh. Andrescu uh, on the top half, and Osaka and Benchich. It's yeah, it, it's a really fun. It's going to be a very fun second week. And with that being said, if you've missed any of the action from the first week and need to catch up, check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. This podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast, we've been keeping them filled with content all week long to keep you guys up to date on your U.S. Open info uh, for the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook throughout the day. Uh, obviously, a huge shout-out to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, who have continued and will always have a f- of an editing job to do. But seriously, this doesn't happen without them, so we really appreciate it. With that being said, Matt, any final thoughts as we head into the second Sunday of the tournament? It's going to be good, man. I mean, women's draw, like we just talked about, pretty wide open as of now. And the men, we're getting to the stage that we really want to get to. You know, it's those first few days are always fun, right? Because there's like a million matches and you can hardly keep up with it. But now that quality is going to step up just a little bit. And we're going to get some really good matches, I think, this second week. So definitely looking forward to it. Well, with that being said, one last time for my lovely co-host, Matt the Cracks the Koyak, who's always in to jump on a pod on a Saturday, for our super producers, Max Schlingner, Daniel Westhoff, and from our entire team at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Matty, what do we tell the listeners? That's a break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.